Please open your Bibles. All right, I don't mean to do this every time, but I'm gonna do it every time. I wanna be really clear why I do it. When I say open your Bibles and I wait, and, you, and I'm hoping for an enthusiastic response, please, I'm not looking, this is not about personal affirmation. I didn't write the Bible. I'm not looking, it's not about me, but I am wanting us to do two things. I am wanting us to tell our inner person that Bible good. Someone say Bible good. So when we say Bible, you, when I say Bible, you say yay, you know, but I want, when we say it's time for, I want, I want there to be an enthusiastic response in this house that we love the Bible, Bible good. So that also, so that also, even if folks that are brand new or newer with us, they come wandering into this house, maybe it's been a while since they've been to church, they don't know what church is, and then the guy up there says, Bible, and then everybody in their church goes, oh man, everybody in the church is excited, more than that, and, uh, they, and when they come, they go, oh, oh, well, Bible good, me get Bible, me read Bible. See, all that is, that's, that's the way the subliminal mind works. I'm not sure if you knew that, but uh, it's, uh, it's facts. All right. So we're, we have opened our Bibles to the book of Philippians. Is that right? And what do we remember from Philippians so far? Well, first of all, even before we begin, let me say again to you all, grace to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Grace to you, grace to you. So what we have seen in Philippians, what we're calling this, this epistle of attitude, is that Paul has told us, his readers, the Philippian church, but we're his readers, he has told them and us that he thinks of them and that he is grateful for them and that he prays for them. He does that all the time. That, and that he tells them that tells us, oh, that's a good idea. We're thankful for that, for that example. And we say, oh, we should also think of others, be grateful for them and pray for them and tell them about it. Yeah. Tell them we're doing that. Then in verse six, Paul says, I am confident of this thing. He said, I'm, first of all, he tells us, I'm thinking of you, I'm grateful for you, I'm praying for you. Verse six, he says, and I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will absolutely be faithful to complete, to perfect that work in you. He tells all of us that you are a work of grace. We are all literally wearing a sign on in front of us that says grace at work. Grace at work. There's grace at work in our lives. And then what we'll see today is that Paul is going to tell us what he's praying for. He's told us he's praying for us. He's told us what he's believing for. Now he's going to tell us specifically. He tells us, hey, I'm praying for you and I know, I know that, that grace is at work in your life. And now Paul is going to tell us what he's praying for that grace to do in our lives. What we will hear today is Paul's prayer for more. How many like the word more? I really do, especially with the things that I like. And when we're talking about grace, I love the word more. Here's what Paul prays for his readers. And we're gonna take this for ourselves. Are you ready? Here we go, verse nine. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more 
in real knowledge and in all discernment. Now the word in there is a, is a, is a preposition in and it means in by with and it, it, it doesn't necessarily change the subject. It's just saying it's, it's, he's praying for the same dynamic for both things, that your love increase more and more with and in by with your real knowledge and discernment to increase more and more. Why does he pray this? That's what he's praying, right? Why is he praying it? Verse 10, so that, don't you love for that Paul, when Paul, t- he le- makes it easy for us to follow him. He doesn't always. <laughs> so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is Paul's prayer for more. What does he pray? Let's talk about what he prays for and why he prays it. And then we'll consider some of the implications. Number one, Paul prays that their love may abound more and more. Someone said abound. Abound more and more. What does that mean? We know what that means. We're the, the, it's relatively clear. But in case we need help, abound means excessive. More than enough, surpassing, much greater. God, he is praying that our love is excessive. Like, what do people say about, oh, they're, they're a lot or they're too much or they're a lot of, what are they, whatever that's saying. He wa- that's what God wants our love to be, excessive. But not only that, you'd think that's enough by itself, but it's actually, it's more and more excessive. <laughs> he, Paul prays that we would increase in our love more and more abundantly. This love is part of that good work that God is doing. This love is fundamental to our Christian attitude. And this love is not of human origin. It's not a result of our flexing or straining our own heart, as it were. This is a love that comes from God. Romans chapter five, verse five, says that God has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So this love is not of human origin. It is direct divine influence upon our hearts. It is a work of grace. And there is no limit to what this grace can produce in our hearts. Secondly, Paul prays that with that love, with it, that we will grow more and more in knowledge and discernment. Now, when Paul talks about knowledge and discernment, he is not talking about the acquisition of random facts. He is not interested that you and I learn to excel at trivial pursuit. He, this is not about just filling our head with facts. When Paul speaks of growing in knowledge and discernment, he speaks of growing in and knowing and understanding to know God and to know his will. Now, we know that because in Philippians, he's praying. He's, he's saying, this is what I am praying for you. So we can listen to Paul's own words 
even in other passages, to other people, as he says similar things to understand what he means. Ephesians chapter one, verse 17, when Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus, he says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Knowledge of him. Colossians 1.9, we have not ceased to pray for you to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We hear in both of these passages that what he's praying for is that we will grow in the knowledge of God and of his will and that this knowledge of God and of his will is also a gift or a direct of the influence of the spirit in our life. That God by his spirit supplies us with his love and God by his spirit reveals, increases, helps us to know him and his will. All of this is the grace of God at work. Do we believe that? Because he's, Paul didn't say, now I want you, I, now he will urge us to love one another elsewhere. But in this passage, he's not saying, now you, you must, you, you all love each other more and no more. He's not, this is not a command. He is saying, I am praying for this to happen. He is praying that grace would so affect their lives that they would love more abundantly. That grace would so affect their lives that they would know God more and understand his will for their lives. Why does he pray this way? What does he want? What is, what is he anticipating as a result of this? Why does he pray? He prays this so that, he said, so that you, you might approve of the things that are excellent. To grow in this grace, for grace, God wants his grace to affect your heart and your understanding in such a way that you and I will approve of what is excellent. To approve of it means I recognize what is excellent, what is good, what is holy, what is pure, what is upright. I recognize it and I choose that. It's, there's, it's, there's not a massive deficiency of being unable to to, to know right from wrong. But the, the influence of grace upon our life should help us to see and to value and to choose instead that which is holy, that which is pure, that which is wholesome, that which is good, what is excellent. He is moving us to a life. Grace has an excellent effect on our life. Yes. It produces excellent people. This is what grace does. Grace should affect our character and our conduct as much as it does our salvation. This has always been the way that God's call has been intended to uh, affect or influence his people. All the way back, consider the book of Leviticus. Oh my word, Leviticus. When the Lord speaks to his people and he's talking to them about, about the kind or quality of character that they're to have, in Exodus, pardon me, Leviticus 18, the first five verses, listen to what the Lord says. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do what is done in the land of Egypt where you lived. Because you have been redeemed, because of the grace of God, you shall not live like you used to. We shall not live like we used to. 
nor are you to do what is done in the land of Canaan where I'm bringing you. You shall not live like you used to and you shall not live like the world around you. This is the impact of grace on our life. It affects our heart and our understanding in such a way with love and with knowledge of God and his will that we choose. We recognize and we choose what is excellent. Paul wants us to do that and he's praying that we keep doing that, that we keep approving of what is excellent so that we will remain or be, we will remain, live lives that are sincere and blameless. Sincere, without duplicity, without deceit, not pretending to be or wearing a badge of someone that we are not. Not living with false pretenses, not deceiving others or ourselves, but living honestly, humbly, graciously before the Lord. Blamelessly, blamelessly, literally living lives without offense toward God. Living in ways that do not grieve or offend God. Now, how many of you think that sounds like a pretty tall order? It can be seen that way, but not through the lens of grace. This is what grace will produce in our life. Will give us the capacity to love and to know God, to choose what is excellent so that we can live sincere and blameless lives until. Somebody said until. There is that word again. We've heard it already in chapter one. But how, how long do we, by the way, this reminds us, how long do we pray? Until. How long do we obey? Until. How long do we persevere? Until. How long are we faithful? Until. And how long will grace be at work in our lives? Until. And how long will we keep choosing what is excellent? Until, until what? Until the day of Jesus Christ. Here's what's fundamental for you and I to remember, that our lives have an eschatological anchor. We are not, that the anchor of our lives is not lodged somewhere in the past, but instead we have thrown our anchor in the future. And that we are pulled forward by grace as we live in hope for that day. Paul essentially wants us to see that day and live backwards. That we live from that day because of that day. We're anticipating that, remember, we have been saved for, sealed for that day. That grace would so work in our lives that we would continue to choose what is excellent until that day. Verse 11 says, so that our lives will be filled with the fruit of righteousness and on that day, there will be tremendous praise toward God. All of this, all of the grace at work in our life is for his praise. For that, we say hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Lord, let your grace be praiseworthy in our lives. Now, having said that, let's consider just a couple of implications. Having listened, let's listen to what we listen to a little bit. Okay, let's consider this. That Paul prays these things and that he wants his readers to know that he's praying them 
has a couple of more implications for us. First of all, these are things Paul is praying for, meaning that he believes that these virtues are a result of the grace of God toward us, that only God can produce these things in our life, therefore he prays. If it were automatic, if there were no need for the direct influence of the Holy Spirit, why pray? But he does pray. Someone say he does pray. And if he does pray this way, then, ah, thank you, we should pray this way. If this is what Paul prays for us, this is how we, this should inform our prayers for us and for one another. Because if this is, in other words, if this is going to happen, it's only going to happen because we pray. If, <laughs> if this is going to happen, it's only going to happen because we pray. Not because we try harder. We cross our fingers. We make pledges to ourselves. All of, all of the tricks that we try, if this is going to happen, it's going to be because, it's going to be because we pray. Yes. That's pretty good. Yeah. Further, by telling us what he's praying for, Paul is, Paul is helping us to aim our expectometer. He's saying, I'm praying these specific things for you. Oh, okay. Well, then these are specific things that are important. And these are specific things that I should align my expectometer at. I should aim my faith to believe that God is going to do these things in my life. These are important. I, am, I know that God wants me to grow in his love, so I'm gonna set my faith on that. I know that God wants me to grow in my knowledge of him and of his will. I'm gonna set my expectometer, my, 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 my faith on that. I know that God wants me to choose what is excellent. All right, I'm gonna set my faith on that. I know it's gonna be a result of his grace, but, I, but, but, we, but by grace, right? we receive that grace through faith. I'm gonna set my faith on believing for that and know that the grace of God is going to do it. So here's a couple of attitude adjustments for us, simple statements. If all that is true, then, then here. Then attitude adjustment number one, there is no limit to love and no license to lack it. Secondly, God wants us to know him and his will and that because of that, Grace gives us everything we need to approve of what is excellent. And if that's true, grace has also given us everything we need to reject what is not. Therefore, this is our prayer. Having our expectations informed, having our, our attitudes adjusted, let us also now pray for the grace of God to work in our lives and to set our expectations and our attitudes accordingly. Can I ask us to stand together? And let's, I'm just gonna pray this prayer over us as we close. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for the grace of God that is completely, fully revealed to us in Jesus and availed to us through him. I thank you for that grace that is communicated directly to our lives by your Holy Spirit. 
And now, Lord, we pray that we will love more abundantly. And we pray that we will know you and your will more fully. And we pray that we will continue to approve of and to choose what is excellent so that we will live sincere and blameless lives until that day. That day. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives and Lord, we robustly give you every permission. We yield fully to your grace at work in our lives today. And this we give you thanks in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody said amen. 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 Let's just wait upon the Lord for a moment. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Grace to you in the mighty name of Jesus. May his grace be upon you evermore, abundantly. 
as you go this day. If you would like prayer, I welcome you to join me here at the front. And I'll know that you want prayer just by coming forward and putting out your hands like this. We'll pray together. God bless you. You're welcome to come and pray. Otherwise, have a fantastic weekend. Thanks so much.